if I were to say hashtag, already you're like, what, what's, what's he talking about? Hashtag nugs for Carter. It's likely only a few of you would know. Anybody know what I'm talking about when I say that? All right, exactly kind of who I expected, really. In the, no, all right, anybody ever, ever heard of Twitter before? All right, Twitter, Twitter is one of those things that people have and they use, but they're not really sure why they have it or why they use it. Uh, it's one of those social networking uh, sites where you can share like 140 characters worth of stuff. And so it's just kind of out there. At most of the time, I think people try to share stuff that is helpful. Well, a few weeks ago, there's a young man by the name of Carter Wilkerson, Wilkerson and he texted Wendy's. Yes, the fast food chain has a Twitter. He, he uh, tweeted them. I think I said texted. He tweeted Wendy's. Hey, what can I, how many retweets would I have to get to get a year's worth of free nuggets? All right. So already you can sense that Twitter is a magical place, right, where you can tweet and talk to Wendy's, who, whoever that is. And so he sends, sends that tweet to Wendy's, and Wendy's responds, 18 million. All right, that was their only response. Now, to give you an idea, on Twitter, you can retweet things, you can share stuff. And the most shared, some, a tweet has been shared up to this point, is just over 3 million. All right, so when they say 18 million, they're just being, you know, a little bit snarky in their response. Like, You're never going to get this, but, you know, if you want nuggets for, for a year, 18 million retweets. And so this is what Carter Wilkerson does. He screen caps that response from Wendy's, and he tweets this. I, I need to make sure I get this right, so I'm going to make sure I, I get his tweet. He says in all caps, help me please, period, a man needs his nugs. So apparently nugs is short form for nuggets, all right? So he tweets that out expecting, you know, hey, this is a funny joke, all right? So I told you that the, the most retweeted tweet that has ever been is just over 3 million at this point. Today, or a, as of yesterday when I checked, Carter Wilkerson had gotten 3.3 million retweets for his hey, a man needs his nugs tweet to Wendy's. And we're talking, I mean, we're talking about Wendy's chicken nuggets. We're not talking about Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets, right? We're talking about Wendy's. And we have 3.3 million people in our country who said, you know what? This is a cause I can rally behind, right? All right, so the, the most retweeted tweet is at, at 3.4 now was a picture taken by Ellen DeGeneres with a bunch of celebrities, all right? So now we, we look at and we see, because they're going back and forth now, she had this guy on her show. Uh, this got him on TV, all right? She's had the guy on his show. Now they're going back and forth. It's kind of a competition. We've got 3.4 million tweets, a picture of celebrities. We've got 3.3 million tweets about a guy who wants to get free chicken nuggets for just a year, all right? And he, he's going at that. And, and I take a step back and I look at that, and I, I think, first of all, people have a great sense of humor. Like, uh, it's amazing. It makes me laugh. I think it's hilarious that people are like, you know what, this is, we're going to make this, uh, you know, really important, but, but can you just take a step back for me just, uh, and just kind of look at that and think, man, this, this is where we are in society, right? We have these amazing opportunities. We are able to accomplish more than what we've been able to more quickly. We have so many vast resources open to us. We can tweet Wendy's, you know, in this day and age and try to get free chicken nuggets, and, and the pinnacle of that is a picture of celebrities and free chicken nuggets for a guy, maybe, if he gets to 18 million, right? So many different opportunities, and yet so many, like, weird ways that we use those opportunities. And, and it makes me wonder, like, how, how can we leverage some of these things to, to do things that maybe are a little bit more meaningful with the time that we're here, right? Like, one of the things I think of for this kid, Carter Wilkerson, is this going to be the highlight of his life, <laughs> 
you know, when he gets older and he's talking around, sitting with the grandkids, and he's thinking, well, kids, back in the day, there was this thing called Twitter. You guys have never heard of this, right? Because Twitter's not going to be around when he's, that, when, he, when he's old and stuff. Nobody's going to be using it. It's going to be some other thing. And he's going to say, guess what I did? I got 3.3 million retweets about nuggets. And they're going to be like, really? <laughs> like, that's, that's what you accomplished with your life. Right? Nobody wants to go through the life and look back and say, I wish I had lived my life more purposefully. And yet, regrets of purpose are some of the most difficult things that people experience as they go through their lives. And we're going to be talking about that this morning. Regrets of purpose are tricky because most of the time we don't pay attention to them in, in the middle of them. We have so many different things that keep us busy, so many other distractions that kind of keep us thinking through, like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Is this really the meaningful way that I want to live my life? And one of the biggest contributors that I think for this today in our society is the breakneck speed at which we want to experience life. I mean, if, if we have to wait more than 10 seconds for a video to buffer, right, on the, on the internet, then we're, we're done. Like, we're not going to do that anymore. If we have to sit in the fast food line a little bit too long, we're going to leave and we're going to get mad and, and go somewhere else. We're, we're ex- everything that we want to experience, we want to experience right now, right away. It's kind of the speed of what we are expecting. We may not know where we're headed in life, right? We just know we want to get there fast and we want to experience it right now. So have you ever had this moment in your life where you're going along, everything's kind of typical, and then and every, everything kind of stops and screeches to a halt for you. You think, how in the world did I get here? What, what in the world am I doing? Like, is this really where I wanted to be? Is this really what I wanted to be doing with my life? You kind of just have one of those surreal out-of-body moments. May, maybe you haven't done that. I was in the office a couple weeks ago, and I was putting a ream of paper away, of all things. I don't know why, what, why this triggered things for me, but all of a sudden, it just kind of stopped and said, what? what in the world? Like, it was kind of this weird out-of-body thing. Like, what, what am I doing? Like, what, why, am I, why am I picking up paper? Why am I moving it? Why am I in the office? Why, what, what am I doing with my life? And, and for me, I would say, as far as purpose goes, I, I have a fairly good grasp on what I think God wants my purpose in life to be. Otherwise, I definitely wouldn't choose what, <laughs> what I'm doing now for a career, right? That's meant to be a joke. I, it's like, it's cool. We're good. Like, I, I feel purpose and meaning in my life, right? But so many of us have those moments where we stop and think, how did I get here? How did I get to this moment? How did I get to this place? And you kind of go through this mental checklist of like reminding yourself, all right, yeah, this is, this is why. And this is why God has me here. This is how I ended up here is because these choices that I've made. One of the reasons life can be such a grand adventure is because of the speed at which we go, right? I mean, we don't get to choose the speed at which we live life. We have to make split-second decisions sometimes that impact us for years, and sometimes that can be exciting and that can be great, but really, what really helps us live a life that's beyond regret when it comes to our purpose is knowing the direction that we're going in life. We can't control the speed, but we can influence and affect and control the direction. And, and this is going to blow your minds, but did you know what speed plus direction is? It's, it's velocity. You're, uh, you're, you're welcome. All right. <clears throat> that, w- that was amazing. Speed plus direction is velocity. The reason that velocity exists as a church is, is because of purpose. It's because of life purpose and to affect everyone, w- to give them the ability to accelerate their faith journey toward God. We want to give people not only the, the speed at which we're supposed to be living life, but the direction as well. That's why we're here. That's why we exist, is to help people, point people to real purpose in life. Because we know that one of the greatest fulfillments 
that we can experience within God's salvation of us is to be within his purpose and his will for our lives. Um, primary importance is for us to understand where we're headed because that helps us deal with the speed bumps that are along the road. One of the, one of the things that I enjoy doing is looking to see uh, w what the obstacles were for great inventions in the past that, that people faced where they're trying to get their inventions passed and they're trying to get things uh, set up and some of the things and responses that they got uh, from them. So consider how knowing your life trajectory helps when you're confronted with disappointment in life with your purpose. Um, here's a Western Union internal memo dated 1876. This telephone has too many shortcomings to be seriously considered as a means of communication. The device is inherently of no value to us. All right, what if things just stopped right there with that memo, right? Where you're like, oh, that direction is not gonna work, and so I gotta, I gotta go do something else if you're Alexander Graham Bell. All right, here, here's another one uh, in a memo in the United Kingdom in 1903. I do not believe the introduction of motor cars will ever affect the riding of horses. All right, what, what, if, what if it had stopped there? H.M. Uh, Warner in 1927 said, who, I'm going to edit this, who the heck wants to hear actors talk? This is the Warner Brothers, like the big movie in 1927 before rejecting a proposal for movies with sound. Like, can you imagine if we were still, somebody playing the organ, you know, over in the, over in the corner? Again, I'm going to edit this one. Here's, here's uh, this response to Chester Carlson. Who the heck wants to copy a document on plain paper? That's a rejection letter in 1940, Chester uh, Carlson, inventor of the Xerox machine. 20 companies rejected his idea from 1939 to 1944. I, I mean, he wasn't even accepted by the National Inventors Council, and today they do about a billion dollars per year in, in revenue. What if? What if he didn't have a clear idea of his direction and his purpose in life? The concept, here's, here's another one, last one. The concept is interesting and well-formed, but in order to earn better than a C, the idea must be feasible. This was a Yale University professor in response to Fred Smith's paper proposing reliable overnight delivery service. Fred Smith went on to start FedEx. Um, having a well-defined purpose or a mission in life gives us a reason to live beyond the disappointing obstacles along the way because we know that we're headed, where we're headed is in the right direction. And that's what God does for us. He gives us a life, a, a life mission and a purpose for what we want to do. And because so often we move at such a fast pace and we numb ourselves with busyness, we rarely allow our times, ourselves time to just pause and stop for a minute for quiet reflection and consider, am, am I where I need to be? Am I where God wants me to be to be able to feel, fulfill his purpose and meaning in life? The times that we're shaken up and we hit those obstacles and we have those moments of, uh, moments of thinking, like, do I have regret in my purpose or opportunities for us to recognize where we can start over and head in the right direction? In his book, Love Does, Bob Goff writes this. He says, living a life fully engaged and full of whimsy and the kind of things that love does is something most people plan to do, but along the way, they just kind of forget. Their dreams become one of those, we'll go there next time, deferrals. The sad thing is, for many, there is no next time because passing on the chance to cross over is an overall attitude toward life rather than a single decision. 
They need a change of attitude, not more opportunities. And it's not until we're kind of shaken up and, and considered and confronted with God's will and his purpose for our lives that we really start to see, like, he, there's a different way that we can approach this and live a life beyond regret. The Bible is full of, of stories of people who have, who have experienced this. They were confronted with God and a life trajectory changed and they live uh, out a purpose that we still talk about and we still read about today. One of the more famous uh, people in the Bible that all of us have probably heard of at some point in our life is Moses. Uh, he is talked about in a number of different religions, even beyond Christianity, um, and he is uh, revered because of some of the things that he did in his leadership and what he did in his life. Uh, but he didn't always have a great trajectory in his life. He wasn't always fulfilling God's purpose for him. And so in Acts chapter 7, if you want to turn your Bibles uh, to there, we have a a breakdown of his life that's given by a guy named Stephen. He's actually preaching a sermon talking about God's direction in life and his salvation, how he uh, works all that out, and he uses Moses as an example. And so Moses' life, uh, it, to make it kind of easy to think about, his life is broken up, broken down into three 40-year increments. So you kind of do the math there. Moses ended up to live a ripe old age, but his life is, is broken down into three 40-year increments. The first one is pretty well known. Uh, Moses is his Egyptian given name. His Hebrew name is Charlton Heston. And so you've probably, some, yeah, okay. Uh, maybe I won't use that one in second service. Uh, but you probably know and are familiar with the story of his life that he was found in a basket floating along in the river by Pharaoh's daughter. And so she took him in and raised him as her son within the royal household. And so you think he's had a cartoon made of him called Prince of Egypt. Charlton Heston has played him, you know, his, his whole life story in a, what, seven hour long movie or something crazy like that. It's great. I, like, I enjoy it. It's just really long. And, and so we know that, that kind of part of his life where he's supposed to be favored by Pharaoh, you know, as Charlton Heston and all that kind of stuff, and he's living his life. But in Acts chapter 7, Stephen uh, breaks into a different uh, stage of his life in verse 23. He starts, starts to talk about what was going on in Moses' life, and he says, When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian. So he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. At 40 years old, Moses has his midlife crisis. He has been uh, surrounded by the royal household. He's had the business and distraction of the court, the life of leisure that likely nobody would want to leave, and yet for some reason was not fulfilling his sense of purpose in his life. And so he decides to go and visit his fellow Israelites to see how they were living. Maybe his midlife crisis came about because of a regret of action in his life when it came to his purpose. Something like, I wish I hadn't focused on money so much in my career instead of doing something I felt was meaningful. Or, or maybe it was something like, I wish I had chosen a challenging career rather than an easy one. Or maybe, and, and this is the purpose of regret that gets most of us is not the regrets of action or reaction, but it's actually the regrets of inaction in our lives, the things that we didn't do that we wish we had. Maybe it was, I, I wish I'd started that business, or I wish I'd changed my major, or maybe Moses, like, like many of us, had a regret of reaction. Why was I put in this position, right? I mean, so many different regrets that we have when it comes to our purpose. So at 40 years old, Moses goes to check on check in to see what's going on 
with his people. And he's so enraged by what he finds out that he didn't realize the injustice that they were experiencing. Maybe somehow, maybe somehow he kept himself ignorant of that or, or, or feeling that, that, he, that he, feeling that, that he finally decides to do something about it. So he jumps in, he kills this Egyptian, he thinks, here comes the revolution. Like, this is exactly what God has made me for. I'm in the perfect position to be able to do this. This is great. He talks to one of his fellow Israelites, and they're like, yeah, are you going to kill me like you did this other guy? Like, this is terrible. Who do you, who do you think you are? We're not going to follow you. And Moses realizes, man, this, this is... Uh, this is not going to work out. He doesn't have much support, doesn't have support with his own people. Pharaoh finds out what happens, and so Pharaoh tries to have him killed. And so we find out that Moses, his next step in his journey in life, in Acts chapter 7, verse 29, when Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. For the next 40 years of his life, Moses felt like, yeah, I'm 40 years old. I finally figured out what I'm supposed to be doing, what I'm, what I'm up for. And, and then he realizes everything is going to be taken away. He's not going to be in the royal household of Egypt. He's not going to be in a choice position to be able to do anything of any significance or influence or have any power over what he's going on. He thought he was perfectly positioned. Instead, what happens is he ends up for the next 40 years in Midian as a shepherd. 40 years of following sheep around. You think at some point maybe he had a regrets <laughs> about who he was and what he was doing and what God was even up to in his life. Forty years of expecting that this, this is it, right? I mean, most of us don't spend 40 years doing something and think, oh, something else is co- coming around, something different is coming around the next corner. Right, you've seen the camera shot in, in a movie, or, or maybe you've seen the video, video that a physicist um, uh, created where you start in on something small, you see somebody's face, and then it kind of zooms out, and then you see where they are. You know, they're sitting, sitting in a park, and then it zooms out. They're, you see the, the country that they're in, it zooms out, you see the earth, and then it keeps going, you go out into the universe, and sometimes you start to pull back and look at that perspective and purpose and meaning for a life, and you think, where am I in the grand scheme of things? And I wonder, how many times was Moses out with the sheep looking up at the stars by himself and thinking, what in the world? Like, this is where things are. This is, this is how it all ends. And most of the time we skip through this period of Moses' life because we want to get on to the good stuff, right? Here's what God's going to do. He's going to do these amazing miracles and all these amazing things and have these, this great story of the reset button that God can set in our life. But, but it's in this moment in Moses' life where he's confronted by the regrets that he had, the decisions that he had made in his life, that God really does the work of helping him start over in his life. Sometimes when we sense misalignment in our purpose and what we're doing in life and what God wants for us, sometimes we're confronted with considering maybe our efforts are misplaced. Maybe they're put in the wrong direction. Maybe we have a misplaced longing in our regret. It's not really pointed to God's purpose in our life. And contentment will continue to elude us and will continue to be to ignore it because we haven't removed the busyness and we haven't removed the distraction to be able to come to a place where we can discover and recognize, man, why do I feel the regret that I do in my purpose? You know, most of us have had a conversation at some point uh, with someone in our lives where they've said, here's what I want to do with my life, and it's going to be amazing, right? Have this conversation with kids, you ask them what they want to do, and you look at them and it's like, there is nothing 
about you or about what you've done in your life that is going to help you get to that point in your life, right? You know, you tell kids, you can be whatever you want. No, no, you can't. No, I'm, I'm okay, I'm just kidding. Just, just kidding. Like, everybody's like, oh, that's a terrible thing to say to your kids. I don't say that to my kids. But if somebody says, I want to be an astronaut, well, there's some very specific things that you need to be willing to do. Like, are you willing to put the time and effort into accomplishing that in your life? Are you willing to do those things? Have you been gifted in those ways uh, to do those things? Sometimes when we talk about those purpose and meaning decisions in our life, we're thinking about, man, how can I be successful at this? How can I reach and attain these goals that I have in my life when the reality is what we really want deep down is significance? It's not so much about what we choose to be able to accomplish and do and then go for that and, and whether or not we reach that, ac- that accomplishment that defines who we are and whether or not we're living out God's purpose and will for our life. It's the significance that he gives for us that is so much more important than just being successful. William Carey, a missionary to India, says, said this, I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. And I think as Moses is spending his 40 years in the wilderness with the sheep, he's learning this lesson and being prepared by God for the real purpose of his life. God is the one who gives significance through his purpose for our lives. After 40 years of being a shepherd, I'm sure that Moses felt like, all right, this is it, right? And I'm now 80 years old in my life. There's no way that I can start over, that God can hit the reset button in my life. But then this happens. Acts chapter 7, verse 30. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. As he went over to get a closer look, he heard the Lord say, I'm the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. I've indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. Wait, now? Like now you want to send me back to Egypt? Like I was there for 40 years. Do you remember that? I, maybe you forgot that I already lived there. Now I'm 80 years old and now you want to send me back there to do, uh, to do something and to, to lead these people out. Uh, why not when I was younger in a position of power and influence and life figured out? Here, here's why. Here, here's, here's the trap that so many of us get caught up into. We are not fulfilled when we accomplish only what we're able to accomplish. See, the thing that God did for Moses and does for us is he didn't limit it to, to what he thought he had the ability to do in his life. It's so much more when God is a part of our purpose. You will absolutely feel better and be more fulfilled and be self-actualized when you align your purpose with God's mission in your life. But have you ever noticed how when things are going really well, sometimes we drift away from God? Like, like oh, we're finally doing God, God's purpose and this great. Things are going really well in our lives. And then we look like a few weeks later and it's like, man, I, for some reason, you know, when things weren't going that well, I felt a little bit closer to God. Now, I, you know, maybe I don't, I don't need him as much in my purpose, right? Because, because we feel so much better like, oh, now we're accomplishing what we have been gifted to accomplish. And so we can do what we always thought we were able to do in life. God has enabled us to do that. Or, or maybe on the other side of the coin, have you ever noticed that when, when folks finally accomplish what they set out to do, they still feel like something's missing? Like, like there's, what's, what's next? Like, what, what's, isn't there more to this? 
Moses becomes the deliverer of God's law and helps to lay the groundwork for the nation of Israel entering the promised land. But did you know that in his 40 years of leading, um, leading the Israelites that he actually didn't get to go into the promised land because of how fed up he got and how self-important he felt because of his leadership position? In Numbers chapter 20, you can read that some, sometime this week maybe and see what happened with that. But Moses lets his ego and his temper get the better of him. And, and it's, it's one of those things that's important for us to, to remember and to learn when it comes to our purpose in our life, that fulfilling our potential is not the end of the story for us. Maybe you've read the famous bestseller, Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. You know what the first sentence of the book is? It's not about you. The significance that a life beyond the regret of purpose needs is, is God accomplishing what he wants to accomplish through us, not just us accomplishing our own purpose for our lives. Philippians 2, 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in, according, in order to fulfill his good purpose. Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Doing it on our own never feels like it's enough because God enables us to do more than what we're capable of doing. That's, that's how we know and discover our alignment and purpose for his will. Not, not just when we accomplish what we want to accomplish or how we feel like our purpose is supposed to be lived out the way that we, we see it. But when God is accomplishing what he can do so much more than what we could ever do on our own. And so here, here's what I want to leave you with this morning. How, you know, how, how do we make sure that we're, we're kind of in that position to be living out God's purpose in our life? Well, God's purpose requires God's priorities for us. And the first thing for us in the business and distraction is to stop and pause and, and take an afternoon this week and say, all right, do I have godly priorities set up in my life that are, heading, that are, that are putting me in the speed and the direction that's heading toward him? Is God first? For, is he truly first? Is his purpose and his will for life? He has told you, a man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. Micah 6.8. Right? He's, he's given us a purpose and how we're supposed to put him first in our life. Are we living that out? You know, do we have those godly priorities set up where God is first? And if, if you have a spouse, is, is that person, your relationship with God comes first, then your relationship with your spouse comes next. If you have kids... That's great, but that's, that's after your spouse because that's, that's the picture of, of Jesus and the church and the relationship that we're supposed to have that will help to lead those kids where they're supposed to go. If you have kids, your kids come next. They're your priority. After that starts to come your family, your church family, your, your other people, your extension, your neighbors, your, your friends, your coworkers, and your work, your mission field that God gives you. Your purpose is not in what makes you money but in, is what enables you to complete God's mission in your life. What you and I do on our own will decay. In Acts chapter 13, verse 36 and 37, we, we read about another big leader in the Bible, uh, David. And here, here's, what, um, here's what Luke writes. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. What, what we do on our own is, is going to pass away. But what we give ourselves over to God to allow him to work through us will last forever. 
Acts 13, verse 37, but the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. And this is why we gather together to worship each and every Sunday. This is why every week at Velocity we take communion together. Because we're celebrating and we're recognizing the joy of the purpose that we're invited into because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is eternal. That while the things that we do in this life may seem futile and may pass away, that what God does in and through us will last forever. And he invites us to be a part of that, to, to enter into that. And so this morning, maybe you have some questions about that. It's like, all right, how do I take some time out of, of my life, to, out of my business and distractions to kind of really discover God's purpose? Well, I'm more than happy to talk with you about maybe starting your faith journey. Uh, maybe as a Christian, you're like, maybe I'm, I'm ready to like kind of pause and, and, and maybe uh, I need to go to Midian for a while or maybe I need to head back, back to Egypt or wherever you are in your life. Man, we'd love to pray with you and we'd love to help you uh, and talk with you uh, through that. Let's pray.